0: Let's take our Bibles. We're in Mark chapter 4, and uh, it's good to be here this morning. It's good to open up the Word of God and to uh, see what He has uh, for us. And as I say often, anytime that we open the Word of God, the Lord has something for everybody that's here. You know, there's something for every soul. And uh, if you remember last week, we looked at the, the parable of the soils, the parable of the soils, and just how there was... Uh, four soils, and uh, the gospel seed fell on several different soils, but it only bore fruit in one. And uh, remember, the disciples, when the, when the crowd departed, when everybody left, the disciples, they went to Jesus and said, hey, what did you mean by this parable? What, what were you saying? They, they, they wanted to know, they wanted to learn, and they wanted to find out. They didn't just want to hear a story. They wanted to know the truth of God. Okay? So remember that. And now, In our text this morning, Jesus, he's continuing his teaching with a parable, and that is the parable of the lamp. And we find this parable, it is the second parable in the midst of a cluster of parables that Jesus taught. So we're going to be going through over the next several weeks and just see parable after parable that Jesus was teaching to his disciples. Now remember, a parable is an earthly story or an earthly illustration that has a spiritual or heavenly meaning. So Jesus, he was speaking, again, specifically to his disciples. So, so you got to remember this as we look at this parable. He was not just speaking to the crowd in general. He was not speaking to a large group of people. He was speaking to his disciples, the majority of which were true followers of him. Okay, so let's look at uh, Mark chapter 4 and look at verse 21. The Bible says, And he said unto them, Jesus said, Is a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed, and not to be set on a candlestick. For there is nothing hid, which shall not be manifested. Neither was anything kept secret, but that it should come abroad. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And he said unto them, Take heed what ye hear. With what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you. And unto you that hear shall more be given. For he that hath to him shall be given, and he that hath not from him shall be taken even that which he hath. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your word. I thank you that we can open it, that we can read it, that we can study it, and that we can learn it. And Lord, I pray as we do so that you'll help us all to apply it. I pray that you'll help us uh, as you have so graciously given us your word. I pray that we will uh, just see what exactly you have for us in it. I pray that you'll move in our hearts and work in our hearts this morning. I pray that you will uh, do what only you can through the power of your Holy Spirit, that your Holy Spirit will stir us and change us and make us more like you. And we thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do in our hearts this morning as your word is preached in your holy and precious name. Amen. Remember, as I mentioned, this parable, it was spoken right after the parable of the soils. And in that, uh, we understand that this parable is most certainly connected to sowing the gospel seed. Uh, this, this parable is really, it's an, an, an enlarged explanation of verse 20. Let's go back and look at verse 20, because this parable is an enlarged explanation of that. Look at verse 20. It says, And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it, and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some in hundred. So again, remember, uh, he, he's talking about people trusting in Christ, And as they trust in Christ, as they become disciples of Christ, then they have fruit. And just like we talked about last week, anybody that truly trusts in Christ, anybody that repents of their sin and they follow Christ, there will be fruit. There will be fruit. They will have fruit of salvation. So, this morning, again, we're going to see from this parable that we're looking at, this parable of the lamp, a very important truth. We're going to see the truth that genuine disciples of Jesus Christ... They are concerned about the truth of God. They're concerned about truth. They don't have time uh, to mess around with lies and the the opinions of man and the philosophy of lost people. They are concerned about truth. They know the truth of God. Uh, And it's such a far cry from the majority of people in our country today that run from truth. I mean, we've got a lot of people today that they say that truth is relative. And that there's no objective truth. There's no real truth. Well, we know that there is truth. Truth is not relative. The word of God is true. And genuine disciples of Jesus Christ, they are concerned with the truth. They want to learn the truth. They listen to the truth. And they live the truth. And they desire to tell other people about the truth of God and the gospel. Listen. Listen very closely. Genuine believers in Christ, they seek to be vessels that are used to shine the light of Christ in this wicked and dark world. So consider this morning, does that describe you today? This world desperately needs to know and to hear the truth. And we'll see this morning that, you know, people that are dwelling in darkness, they may not like it, but they need it. They need the truth. They need the gospel. And we'll see this morning from our text that a Christian that is not shining the light of the gospel with their witness, with their words, and with their way of living is a Christian that is not fulfilling their intended purpose. So let's look at verse 21 again. Look at this verse here. Now Jesus, as he starts out this parable of the lamp, and he said unto them, Is a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed and not to be set on a candlestick. Now, just so that we can understand what Jesus is saying and what Jesus is getting at here, I just want to kind of uh, explain to you what these four instruments are that Jesus mentioned so that we can understand the cultural implications of it. He, he mentions this candle, okay? Now, this candle was not like the kind of candle that we have today. You put on a birthday cake and you blow out, okay? It's not the kind of candle that he's talking about. This is actually a lamp. Actually, much like the uh, lamp that you see on the screen up there, this is what he's talking to. It's a clay bowl that has a spout that holds a wick, and it contained oil that served as fuel. And this instrument would be used to eliminate darkness. Back in Jesus' day, this would be an essential household item. Okay, now a lot of us here, or probably all of us here, have what's called electricity. And praise God for that, right? They did not have that back in this day. So this can, this lamp would be an essential household item so that they could see in darkness. And then Jesus, he mentions a bushel, which is simply a basket or a, uh, a container. It could be used kind of like a measuring cup that we would use today. And then he talks about a bed, which would be Uh, It could either have been a mat or a couch that was used for dining. It would be at their dining room table. And then he says a candlestick, which would be a lampstand. Now, in most cases, this was just simply a shelf that was on the wall. And the lamp would be placed there so that it could lighten up a, a dark room. And this shelf would be prominently displayed for everybody to see. Okay, it would be right in sight. As soon as you walked in, you would be able to notice that lampstand that had this lamp. So keep these in mind because this is important to understand what Jesus is talking about. Now, I don't know about you, but when when God speaks, I want to know what he's talking about. I want to understand what he's getting at. And he, he helps us understand what he's talking about here. But as Jesus often does, as he goes through these four instruments, he starts off his teaching with a question. And he does so because these, these questions really, uh, they, they, they stir, they stir up our thoughts. They cause us to think. You ever have somebody ask you a question and, and it causes you to think? Where you have to really consider? Well, this is why Jesus asked these questions uh, when he spoke parables, so that they would have to consider uh, what the answer would be. But these questions that he asked in verse 21, they could only be answered one way because if you were to answer any other way, it would make no sense. So what was the question? His question was, in essence, this. Does somebody bring a lamp into their house only to put it under a container or underneath their couch? Does somebody bring in a lamp into their house and not set it on a lampstand? Does somebody bring their lamp into a house just to hide it away? And the answer, of course, to that would be, no. Luke, in his account of this, he describes this as Jesus simply stating the truth that nobody would ever do such a thing because to do such a thing would be crazy. Let's go and look at Luke's account of this. Look at Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, look at verse 16. Luke writes the words of Jesus. And he says in verse 16, notice the first two words that he says. He says, No man, no man, when he hath lighted a candle, cover it with a vessel, or putteth it under a bed, but setteth it on a candlestick, that they which enter in may see the light. Now, if somebody were to put their lamp under a container the light would go out, right? If they were to put it underneath the couch, you'd be at risk of having your couch set on fire, and then your house be set on fire. So it would be uh, pointless to do that. To, to light a lamp and not use it for its intended purpose, or just kind of just to put it in the corner away uh, from people, it would, it would be to use that without an intended purpose, and it would be a waste of fire, it would be a waste of wax, and it would be a waste of wick and oil. So as Jesus used this analogy, again, you have to understand, you have to remember this. He was talking to men that possessed a special spiritual light. He was speaking here of a lamp that was lighted for a specific purpose, and that purpose was to dispel darkness, These men, for the most part, they were men that trusted in Christ. They believed on God. Uh, they, They were a disciple of His. And we know that Jesus Christ, He was and is the light that dispels darkness. He was and He is the light that defeats darkness. John chapter 8, verse 12, this is what Jesus said. He said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Let's go to John chapter 1. Go to John chapter 1. We see this, again, reinforce the fact that Jesus, he is the light of the world. He is the life. Look at John chapter 1. John chapter 1, look at verse 1. He says here, John writes, In the beginning was the Word. And who is the Word? Jesus Christ. says, And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. So Jesus Christ, very clearly is being said here, He was and is God. Look at verse 2. The same was in the beginning with God. All things are made by him, and without him, without anything made that was made. And we know from that, and Colossians, I believe it's 3.17, that tells us that Jesus Christ, he was there. During creation, he was part of it. And look at what it says in verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. And this is an awesome passage of scripture. This is clearly speaking. Jesus Christ, as he was there before the beginning of time, and he was and is the living word, and he created all things, and he was and is the life and the light of man. Now, this light and this life is really speaking of Jesus in reference to the gospel. Now, you may say, well, why is Jesus the life? Well, here's why Jesus is the life. Listen closely to this. Jesus is alive because due to our sin and due to our brokenness, every single soul, they find themselves bound for eternal separation from God and therefore eternal death. Hey, listen, every single person, they have a sin nature. And that sin has separated us from God. We cannot get to God on our own. We cannot get forgiveness and reconciliation with God by ourselves. We cannot get to God and be forgiven by God and have eternal life by going to church, by putting money in the offering plate, by being a good person, by contributing to the community, by doing any sacrament or any ritual. It is only by trusting in Jesus Christ. He is the life, and He is the light. And Jesus Christ, as He died on the cross... And he paid the penalty for our sin. He was buried and he rose again. And do, in doing so, he brings us eternal life. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, the wages of sin is death, but, and thank the Lord for that, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And Jesus Christ, he is the light because he defeats the power of darkness, which is Satan. So this morning, I ask you all, As you sit here, have you trusted in Jesus Christ? Do you have eternal life? Do you have the light of Jesus Christ within you? If you've trusted on Christ and you've repented of your sins, then you can know that you do. But just as a single candle or a single lamp, as we see in our our text here, can overcome a room that's filled with darkness, I want you to understand that the powers of darkness are overcome by the person and work of Jesus Christ through his death on the cross. And this light, of course, is none other than him. Now, he invites every person to come and to possess this life. He invites every person to come partake of this light. Look at John chapter 1 verse 9. It says this in verse 9. Speaking of Jesus, that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh in to the world. Look at verse 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And this is wonderful. Look, if you trust in Christ, then you have this light. You have now the ability to be a child of God if you've trusted on Jesus Christ. So if you've not done that this morning, then again, I I beg you and I implore you to trust Christ and become a child of God. He is the light. He is the life. Come to the light and be no longer bound by darkness, sin, and evil. You might be here this morning like, man, I've done too many awful things. And I know we have people in here, including myself, that's done many terrible things and many sins. But there's no sin too great that God cannot forgive. You must trust in Christ. You must see this light. Jesus Christ, he was and is the light of the world. So in our text, Jesus, as he mentions this lamp, he asks that question, does somebody just bring a a lamp into a house just to hide it? Do they just bring it in there for no purpose? That would be, let's just take a modern day example. That would be like you buying a television. You bring it into the house and you just stick it in the corner. You never use it. Okay, or you just, you buy food. And then you just stick it in the corner and you never eat it. It's just you, just, you don't buy it for its intended purpose. So as he asked this question, what is he getting at? This is what he's getting at. And this is so important. He's telling his few disciples that were listening. And listen to this. He was telling them that he is the light of the world. And he was telling them that they are his lamp. He was telling them to the disciples, he was saying, hey, I am the flame. And you are the vessel that is used to send forth the light of the flame. Now how many of us here today, probably all of us would agree, that we live in a very dark, dark world. I mean, (laughs) things are getting worse and worse every day it seems like. Families and homes are broken. Sin is rampant. People are living as if God does not exist. The lives of children are, are brought into the hands of men. People do whatever is pleasing to their flesh. They do whatever is right in their own eyes. And uh, they do the, the works of their father, the devil. And it can be so easy to get discouraged about all that you may see on the news or that you may see on social media. And you may say, man, it is getting darker and darker and darker. But I want you to know this morning that when in the darkest of times, that is when the light shines brightest. That is when a Christian that believes the gospel, that lives the gospel, that preaches and and, and proclaims the gospel, that is when a Christian can shine the brightest. And as the light of Christ has been placed inside every single follower of his, we are commanded by Christ to let it shine in this dark world. That is what Jesus was getting at. And I want you to know this morning, that includes you. If you are a Christian, you are commanded to allow your light to shine, the light of Christ to shine, even in a dark world. Let's go to Philippians chapter two. Philippians chapter two. Look at Philippians chapter two and verse fifteen. Look at verse 15 to 16, we'll see here. Philippians two fifteen. It says that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke. And notice what it says here in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. And again, stop there. You cannot look at what's going on in our country today and say we don't live in a wicked and perverse nation. We live in a crooked and perverse nation, and yet we are still called to shine as lights in the world. Look what it says in verse 16. Holding forth the word of life. And you know what life that's talking about? Eternal life. Holding forth the gospel. So you just imagine... You're in a a dark, we're in this dark world. Imagine being in a dark room. You're holding forth that candle. You're holding forth that lamp. That's what we are called to do. In the middle of a dark world, we are called to hold forth the light of Jesus Christ and the gospel. That's what we're to do. Look again, holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Now here's the thing. Again, most of us here would agree. We live in a dark world. We live in a a terrible world. A uh, country that's just full of sin, and, and man—I mean, people are trying to push ungodliness on us all the time. The ungodliness, the ungodly agenda that we see being pushed out uh, to people every day is astonishing. But here's the thing: we can either complain about it, or we can do something about it. We can either complain and whine about how bad things are getting around us, or we can actually take action and do something about it. A more effective way is to go and to hold up the light of Christ in this dark world. Now we would all do well to take the advice of the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 60 he said to the Israelites, he said we need to arise and shine. Let's go there. Go to Isaiah chapter 60. Isaiah chapter 60. Isaiah 60, look at verse 1. It said in Isaiah 60, verse 1, it says, Arise and shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth. And gross darkness the people, but the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee, and the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising. The prophet Isaiah here he is explaining that the glory of God would be upon these people, and that would come perfectly to pass during the millennial reign. And part of uh, prior to this chapter. He, was, he speaks of a time of, of really just thick and desperate darkness and judgment. But here, he talks about the fact that there was a rescuer, a redeemer, which we know is Jesus Christ. He tells us that the light of God had come. So he's telling God's people here that they need to respond to it. They need to arise. They need to shine this light. Get up and show people, other people. Tell other people about this. And we see here... As these people, as they would shine the light of God, pagans, Gentiles, sinners, uh, kings, lost people, they would come. And of course, that principle absolutely applies to us today as believers in Christ. And this is the truth that Jesus Christ was trying to teach. Listen, if we are followers of Christ, if you are a believer in Christ, then you have the light of Christ within you and you are called to send it forth. There's no disputing this truth. This is a, a matter of fact. Now, that being said, there are some important aspects of shining the light of Christ and speaking the truth of God that's worth noticing as we evaluate this illustration of the lamp. So let's go back to Mark chapter 4. I want to just kind of break down what it means to be a lamp that, that Christ is speaking of here, what he desires us to be. Now you may be here this morning, and you may say, you know what, I know I need to share the truth of God. I know I need to be a gospel witness in my workplace. I know I need to uh, tell the truth of Christ to my friends or uh, to my family or whoever it may be, people that I come into contact with, and I hope that that's the case. But this illustration that Jesus gives us with this lamp, it shows us that if we decide to truly be a vessel where the truth of God and the gospel shines through us, then it, it comes at a cost. Look at verse twenty-one. I want to just kind of note several things in regards to this lamp and a lamp in general. Look at verse twenty-one. It says, "And he said unto them, Is a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed, and not to be set on a candlestick?" So, several things to take note of in regards to this lamp that really speak to true disciples of Christ. For one, again, what is the purpose of a lamp? Is it just to to be unused? Is it just to have it set in the corner? Of course not. Again, the purpose of a lamp is to send forth light. A lamp was not brought into a home, Jesus is saying, again, to be put under a vessel, to be put under a bed, or to just be hidden somewhere else. No, the intended purpose was to bring light into a room filled with darkness. It also was not uh, intended to just be put on the shelf and be uh, a nice decoration or a nice display so that people would walk in and say, oh, wow, that's an awesome lamp. No, no. That's not the purpose. The purpose was to bring light into a dark house. And hence this question that had an obvious answer that Jesus asked. Is a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed? No, it's not. So here's the thing, church. Likewise, those that have trusted in Christ for salvation, if you are a Christian, you have been adopted, you have been brought into the family of God, You are brought into the Father's house, and you are a child of God. You have not been brought into the family of God and given the light of Jesus Christ just to keep it to yourself. Let's go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Look at Matthew chapter 5 and look at verse 14. And again, Jesus is talking specifically, when he says what he says here, he's speaking specifically to his disciples. Look what it says in verse 14 of Matthew chapter 5. This is the Sermon on the Mount. And he says this, he says, Ye are the light of the world. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel. Again, we see this illustration, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. And look what this says in verse 16. And this is for all of us today. Let your light so shine before men. That they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Hey look, Jesus so clearly caught his disciples that they were to be the light of Christ in this dark world. And we too, today, we are to shine the light of Christ before men, both in word and in deed, so as this passage says, that the lost, they may see our good works and not say, oh, wow, what a great guy Pastor is. Not so that they would say, oh, man, what a great guy Alan or or Mike or Paul is. No, so that they would see our good works and glorify God, which is in heaven. Our purpose in life is to bring honor and glory to God. We say this all the time, but you know that verse in Revelation 4.11, that all things are created for his honor, for his glory, for his pleasure. And tell me this church, listen, what better way to bring honor and glory to God than by sharing the gospel of Christ? What better way? To bring glory to God than to tell somebody about the story about how Christ brought you from a place of hopelessness and desperation and sin and guilt and brokenness and pain and shame and evil. And then he saved you by his marvelous grace, not because of anything that you did, but because of Jesus Christ. Man, what what better way to bring glory to God? than to share your testimony, than to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, to tell people, hey, I am saved, my sins are forgiven. It's not because I'm a good person, it's because of Jesus Christ and his love for me. And what better way to do that? There is no greater way to bring glory to God than to glory in the cross of Jesus Christ. There's no better way. Now, in our world, we know that the cross is, is not very attractive, is it? The cross was a very cruel thing. It was, it was bloody. It was gory. But church, listen, there's beauty in the cross. Because in the cross, because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, as he died and was buried and he rose again, we have redemption. We have forgiveness of sin. There's no greater way to bring glory to God than to share the gospel of Christ. And the light of the gospel is worth sending forth. You know what Jesus' purpose here on earth was? He says, he tells us multiple times in the New Testament that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. The light of the gospel, I would say, too, it is worth sending forth. So I want everybody here, every individual, to ask yourself this question. Are you fulfilling your God-given purpose? Luke eleven thirty-three. Again, Jesus said, No man when he hath lighted a candle put it in a secret place, neither under a bushel, but on a candlestick, that they which come may see the light. And I tell you what, I was thinking about this, and I just like when when I'm studying sometimes, I'm like, man, I got a lot of work to do. I was thinking, when people, if they were if they're to come into my home, if they're to interact with me, if they're to come into my presence, Do they see the light of Christ in me? I want you all to consider this. When people come into your home, when they come into your place of work, when they come into your presence, do they see the light of Christ beaming from you? The purpose of a lamp is to send forth light into a dark room, and our purpose as believers is to send forth the light of Christ in this dark world. So it is our purpose. A lamp's purpose is to send forth light. Our purpose as Christians is to send forth the light of Jesus Christ, to send forth the light of the gospel. However, while it is our purpose, secondly, I want to see, and I got three, three points. Secondly, I want to see that fulfilling our purpose involves sacrifice. Again, I want you to consider this lamp, the illustration of the lamp that Jesus is giving us here. In order for that lamp to fulfill its purpose, of sending forth light into a dark room. you know that lamp has to burn? That wick has to give itself up to the flame and be consumed. That lamp that fulfills its intended purpose, it does so at its own expense. The wick, it sacrifices itself to send forth that light. That wick, it pays a heavy price for shining. And likewise, we know that when a Christian fulfills their purpose of shining for Christ, it does involve sacrifice. You know, there's a price to be paid when you become consumed with the gospel of Christ. Your friends that maybe you once enjoyed being around because you acted just like them, they will be pushed away if you become consumed with the gospel. But tell me this, church, what better thing to be consumed with? The gospel, if you've trusted in it, it has changed your life. It has saved your soul it has brought you eternal life it has saved you from sin and released you from bondage and therefore we all owe Jesus Christ our life so it could cost us friends but it will also no doubt cost us time and energy and I know how easy it is to to be like the majority of people that are just so busy doing that which is unnecessary that we never take the time to do what we're actually supposed to do We never take the time to do what we're commanded to do. Priorities, even in the lives of Christians, are so out of whack, and it's a tragedy. How often are we chasing after money, and after things, and after toys, and after leisure, and after fun and entertainment, instead of chasing after the souls of men? You know, like the Apostle Paul, it'd be good for us all to have the mindset of spending and being spent for the sake of the gospel. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. If there was ever a person outside of Jesus Christ that gave himself to the gospel, it was Paul. And look at what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 15. He says in verse 15 of 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and man, when I read this, I got thinking do i have this mindset look what he says in second corinthians 12:15 paul said and i will very gladly spend and be spent for you meaning for your souls though the more abundantly i love you the less i be loved man listen he says i will gladly spend and be spent for your souls he doesn't say, I will, I will begrudgingly be spent. I, I will, you know, just, I don't really want to do it, but, I, but I'll do it because nobody else is going to do it. No, he says, I will gladly be spent and spend for your souls. He's saying here that he will gladly and with joy spend his own resources to give of, and to give of himself to reach a lost man And also to help the Church of Corinth. And if you know anything about the Church of Corinth, you know it needed a lot of help. Consider this this morning. Are we willing to be like Paul? Are we willing to be like that wick that sacrifices ourselves for the advancement of the gospel? Are we willing to sacrifice time and energy and resources to see the gospel of Christ go forth? It sure is a costly thing to fulfill our purpose of advancing the gospel, but if we do it, We will be able to hear those wonderful words from our great God when we stand before him one day and he can say to us, well done, now good and faithful servant. And what a joy that would be. We need to fulfill our purpose regardless of the cost. And Jesus Christ, he is our example. He became the light. And we know that as he became the light, it cost him his life. And in a society where we really have everything and and sacrifice is so foreign to us, I ask you, are you willing to sacrifice for the sake of the gospel? And we learn from this illustration of Jesus that he gives us this lamp that's sending forth the, the light of the gospel. It is our purpose. It involves sacrifice. And lastly, if we do so, if we do shine the light of Christ, this lamp also teaches us that not everybody will be thrilled about it. Now, You've all been there. Just consider this. He, he's talking about a light. We, we know that in John chapter 3, he says that, that men love darkness rather than light, than light because their deeds are evil. You've probably have been there before. You, in, in a time in your life, maybe that you hated light. You're sleeping after a long day, and then somebody turns the lights on. Or maybe you've done like I've done before with my poor little children, and they're sleeping. And I turn the lights on and say, it's time to get up. It's, you've been sleeping way too long. What is the immediate reaction normally? Anger? Maybe they lash out. Maybe they yell, what are you doing? Why are you turning the light on? We hate light in that moment because it's a deterrent to sleep and rest. i tell you what, the world hates the light of the gospel. The world is sleeping spiritually. They're spiritually dead and they hate the truth of God. And again, this is why Jesus told Nicodemus in John three that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. And many people hate the truth of the gospel because it interferes with their sin. It it is offensive. It is harsh. I mean, just consider this: to tell people that they're sinful, and to tell people that based on their own merits and based on their uh, uh, own uh, effort, they cannot get forgiveness from God, especially. To independent Americans, that's an offense. <laughs> that's something that nobody wants to hear. It's an offensive thing. It is harsh. The preaching of the cross is foolishness, we know, to those that are lost. Now, here's the thing. Not everybody will be thrilled about it. And if we fulfill our purpose and we give people the gospel, then you know it will require us at times. Not only will it be sacrificial, but it also cause us to get uncomfortable. In our society, we are so overly concerned with comfort that we cringe at explaining a confrontational message. We're so often concerned about our comfort that we'd rather just allow people to just die and go to hell because we don't want to get uncomfortable. We don't want to have to to speak a a confrontational message. Because again, to, to shed the light of the truth in darkness, it exposes the evil and incorrect ways of man. And many people hate the light. Again, you just look at, look at the news for a few minutes and you see all that's going on. People that are rebelling against God. People that are trying to change God's intended purpose for their lives. People that are trying to change their gender and telling God, you don't know best. You have no idea. That's what they're telling God when they try to do that, by the way. That's what, they try, what they're trying to do to God when they try to change the definition of marriage. They're telling God, you don't have any clue what you're doing. You're wrong. They're rebelling against God. When they do that, and people hate the light, people hate the truth of God, they hate the word of God, but listen, the light is needed. The truth of God is needed. The gospel is needed. Without the light of the gospel, men remain lost. And those that are saved this morning, listen, if it was not for the gospel, it was not for the teaching of the gospel, or for maybe uh, somebody telling you about the gospel of Christ, maybe a Sunday school teacher, or somebody that went up to your door, or somebody, uh, Dale told us this morning, somebody that maybe knocked on your door through the bus ministry, if it was not for somebody giving you the gospel, you would still be lost today. The light is needed. You too would be dwelling in darkness if not for the gospel of Christ. And people may hate it due to the offensiveness of it, but it is necessary. People need to know the truth of the gospel so that they can be saved from their sins. Martin Lloyd-Jones, many of you probably know who that is. He was a doctor. And uh, he turned into a gospel preacher. And he illustrated the need for gospel preaching. And it really applies the, the, to the fact that the, the truth of the gospel must be lived out and spoken in the general sense But the primary example that he was using was trying to explain to people, hey, preaching is necessary. You know, a lot of times people would rather have a church that just has somebody sitting down and, you know, they kind of debate over the Bible and they, they get input for the entire 45 minutes and they don't have preaching. And he says, no, 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 people need preaching. The preaching of the gospel is so important. It needs to happen. And this is what he said. And again, it applies to us being a gospel witness. He said this, any one of us might develop or suddenly be stricken with a very serious illness not only are you in great pain and running a temperature but you're feeling desperately ill your doctor takes a most serious view of your case and calls in another and higher opinion and he asks this question he said would anyone like a discussion or a debate concerning the rival possibilities or a discussion conducted in a light-hearted manner He said we would resent that. We would point out that our life is in jeopardy and there's no time for debate. There's no time for levity. And in that state of condition, we would look for certainty. We would look for serious dealing and for hope and the possibility of being cured. And then he said this, listen, if that is the case with regards to our physical health and our physical well-being, then how much more should it be the case when we're discussing the ills and diseases of sin and a man's eternal The truth of the gospel must be spoken. The truth of the gospel must be lived out. The light must shine. And it doesn't matter how much people try to extinguish it. It doesn't matter how much people try to put it out. It doesn't matter how much people try to shame you for believing the word of God. We must continue to shine it. Doesn't matter how wicked, doesn't matter how perverse, doesn't matter how crooked our nation gets. Many people may try to cast doubt on the truth of God and call God a liar, but we need to be heralds of the truth regardless. You know, there's many people, and we ought to pray for their souls. There's many people that believe in their in their cults and their lie that goes against the word of God, so much so that they will go, they'll literally Spend hours and hours and hours a week going door to door with it. You got the Mormons, the Jehovah's Witnesses, all these people. They believe a lie. It's a cult. It goes against the truth of God. They deny the deity of Christ. They say that Christ is not really God. They are spreading a false message. They really believe what they're saying. And yet, Christians today, so often, we will not even utter a word to our friend or our family. We won't even invite them to church. And we have the truth, we have the gospel. We have that which can save a man's soul. And yet we keep it to ourselves. Many people may despise the message of the cross, but the message of the cross is exactly what a sin, sick soul is in desperate need of. The bad reactions of some cannot deter us from being obedient to God and being concerned about the souls of the lost. You know, Jesus Christ himself, he was rejected and he was hated by many. And you know what he said? He said, if the world hate you, ye know it hated me before it hated you. But the gospel must go out and it must shine forth regardless of what sinners may do, regardless of sinners getting angry at it. And while many hate it and they may extinguish it, I want you to know there are people that are drawn to the light of God. Others will see the truth of Christ and be gloriously saved and transformed by God's grace. I mean, look look what we have here. I hope to say that many here have trusted in Christ for salvation and that you have been drawn to the light of Christ and you have been gloriously saved and you've been transformed by God's grace. The preaching and the witness of the gospel, it still works. It's still effective. It still saves souls. So ask yourself this morning, how is the truth of the gospel being lived and put forth in your life? Are you fulfilling your purpose? Are you willing to sacrifice and pay the price? Are you willing to tell the greatest truth at the expense maybe of friends, at the expense of uh, comfort and influence and popularity? The lost need to know the truth and you are to be that lamp that must shine the light to the lost. And as I get ready to close, I want to ask you this. Do you even possess the light of Jesus Christ? Has he placed his Holy Spirit inside of you? Have you trusted in him for salvation? Do you know for sure, without a doubt, that you have eternal life? Do you know that you have forgiveness from God because you've trusted in Jesus Christ? If you don't, do not leave this place without trusting in Jesus Christ. Do not leave this place without calling upon the name of the Lord and being saved by the grace of God. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes.